the next stop, Sprawlcast. You're listening to Sprawlcast. My name is Jeremy Clausus, and I'm the founder and editor of The Sprawl. And Sprawlcast is a show made in collaboration with CJSW 90.9 FM. And we are broadcasting slash podcasting from Calgary in Treaty 7 territory. Sprawlcast is a show for Albertans who want more than the daily news grind. We don't do press release journalism and we go deep to bring you stories that you won't hear elsewhere. It is the biggest project ever, and that's it should not be taken lightly. It should have controversy. It should be well debated. I think the fundamental thing we have to understand is, are we building an LRT? Are we building a transit network? And I believe we are building a transit network. The city has a climate resilient strategy, but we're being kind of laggards in terms of implementing it. And the Green Line does many things, but among them is it'll help Calgary reduce uh, greenhouse gas emissions, both now and into the future. Well, it's time to talk Green Line again. You just heard Anna Greenwood-Lee with the Calgary Alliance for the Common Good. And if you feel like we're going in circles on the Green Line, you're not alone. I feel like I've made this podcast before. But the Green Line is going to Calgary City Council in June, as council is slated to vote on a tweaked alignment. And in the run-up to that vote, there have been renewed calls to scale down the project. We'll get into that the plan itself, and the politics behind it. But first, let's stay with Greenwood Lee's point about the city's climate plan. If all goes as planned, the Green Line will eventually run from Calgary's far north through downtown into the deep southeast. Stage 1 will go from 16th Avenue in the north to Shepherd in the southeast. According to City Hall, it'll be the equivalent of taking more than 6,000 cars off the road. This is something that's been almost entirely forgotten. Even the city of Calgary downplays it. It's buried on page 14 of a new 19-page city report on the project. This is the kind of thing that City Hall used to lead with in the 1990s, believe it or not. It's kind of depressing to go through city archives and see how, 20 years ago, the city would boldly make the case for expanding public transit for environmental reasons. But now, the business case eclipses all else. And even more so now that the Green Line is forever being analyzed and reanalyzed. So let's get into it. Let's start with what's changed in the plan. Here are the rough strokes of what's new. In 2017, City Council decided the Green Line would run from 16th Avenue North to downtown in an underground tunnel. It would go under the Bow River. That was the plan up until last year, when City Admin recommended scrapping the tunnel plan and running the train on the surface and over the river due to cost and the technical challenges of tunneling. Instead of building stations that are several stories deep downtown, they're looking at more shallow stations in the city core, and the train is now slated to run down the middle of Center Street in the north and cross the Bow River on a new bridge that will also include cyclists and pedestrians. We are YYC for Transit, and we're basically a, a group of transit users who need and therefore support transit and the expansion of transit in Calgary. This is Romy Garrido, and she's with a campaign called YYC for Transit. 
She's also a former staffer for Councillor Drew Farrell. At this moment in time, that means we're supporting the Green Line LRT project, and especially in the face of increasing risk due to just a few individuals who have decided to late in the game uh, oppose the project. We'll get to those individuals later in this episode, but Romy is one of many Calgarians who grew up in the suburbs and had to rely on the car to get anywhere. Transit wasn't exactly good in Hidden Valley in far north central Calgary. You know, no rapid transit, nothing. Uh, you know, a shuttle that would come like every once and a half hour kind of thing. So yeah, it really stunts your view of, of the city you grow up in when you don't really have adequate transit or ways to move around. And while there's an effort to downscale the Green Line, Garrido says transit users don't necessarily have the luxury of advocating for the service that they rely on. When you really look at who's using transit today, you know, it's a lot of folks that don't have the luxury of time and, and energy to be able to speak out and say, this is something I need. We're talking about low income, uh, middle income, working Calgarians who can't engage in this in this sort of messaging. Um, you know, they can't hire a public affairs firm to do their bidding for them and to talk about, you know, why this project should be any other way. Um, you know, it's it's regular working Calgarians. And so, so you know, we, we've kind of had enough for this project. Transit users, you know, need more transit in the city. We, we need a way to get around, you know, just to get us from point A to B from our jobs back home. Uh, this is it's an essential service. And so, you know, this isn't like other projects in the city, like, you know, the BMO Center or the arena, um, where it's it's for a very specific uh, kind of faction of, of the population. And, you know, the, the entry fee is high. It transits for everybody. This is also the point made by Anna Greenwood Lee of the Calgary Alliance for the Common Good. She's an Anglican priest, and in that role, she's seen the need for transit as a robust and essential service. And we also have all sorts of people in Calgary for whom driving is not an option. Uh, I have a member of my congregation who's blind, uh, and so he sort of laughs when people talk about, you know, how does cutting transit impact you? He's like, well, how else am I going to get around, right? I can't ride a bike, right? I can't drive. So... You know, much of our community uh, that lives with disabilities are one kind of another. Uh, transit is their lifeline to get out and about. Greenwood Lee says the Calgary Alliance for the Common Good felt compelled to speak out and support the Green Line plan in light of recent resistance to the project. There's been this lobby group of rich, influential Calgarians, um, but they're not necessarily representative of people who actually take transit. Uh, and sort of the regular Calgarians. So the Calgary Alliance has members, you know, we have Jews and Christians and Muslims, we have unions and community groups. Uh, we have people from across the city. And if all of our 35,000 members can speak with one voice in support of the Green Line, I think that suggests to you that most of Calgary is actually in support of this project, despite the small minority who are trying to make a fuss about it. There's a big difference when you talk to young people about this and then you talk to old people about this, right? So young people inevitably say that you know, cities absolutely need to have transit, right? And it seems like a lot of the people who are weighing in against this project don't actually take transit very often. So uh, I think we need to listen to the future generations and I think we need to listen to the users. Okay, so let's talk about the group that Anna Greenwood Lee mentioned there. 
This is the group led by retired oil man Jim Gray, who is 86 years old. You might have heard Gray's group referred to as the four businessmen who presented to a council committee last June. His group wants a pause on the Green Line, what they call a de-risking of the project. They want it scaled down so that LRT doesn't run north of downtown for the time being. They call this a sensible alternative. Now, Premier Jason Kenney expressed approval of Gray's group after they presented to city councillors last June. Kenney has been casting doubt on the Green Line project since before last year's election. Gray's group calls themselves an ad hoc citizens committee. It's a well-heeled group that includes business owners and former politicians. Former city councillor Patty Greer is on the committee, as is former Canadian senator and MLA, Ron Gitter. And the COVID-19 pandemic has not slowed the Gray campaign. If anything, it seems to have invigorated it. Here's Gray speaking to city councillors in June 2019 when he warned of economic catastrophe if the Green Line went ahead as planned. The Green Line is the largest and most technically challenging megastructure project by far that Calgary has ever attempted. Uh, we have no experience in the highly technical underground stations and tunnels of this magnitude and no experience in the scale of this project. And we've got to do the engineering and we've got to look at the alternatives and we've got to be comfortable. And then, then we can go for it, but we've got to be comfortable. If, we've, if we stumble on this, it'll take this city down, not just fiscally, but our reputation will be lost. That was in 2019, but the seed of doubt about the Green Line was really planted a couple of years earlier during the 2017 municipal election. Bill Smith, a former president of the Alberta Progressive Conservative Party, described the project as a boondoggle and called for a rethink. Nenshi didn't like that at all. This is shocking. And it really is remarkably, breathtakingly uninformed. It really shows Mr. Smith's habit of repeating what the last person he talked to said. That was a CBC clip of Nenshi responding to Smith's suggestion that the Green Line needed a pause and a rethink. Now, as a side note, Jim Gray made a public endorsement in that 2017 election. We need a leader with vision to champion the rebuilding of Calgary during this period of fragile economic recovery. But it's not who you think it would be. I am supporting Nahed Nenshi for mayor. In Gray's endorsement video, he actually mentions the Green Line as part of Nenshi's plan to revitalize downtown. Okay, let's go back to that council committee meeting from last June. At that meeting, Councillor Drew Farrell challenged Gray and his group. So many of you were advocates for very large projects. The Olympics, the Arena, and the BMO Centre um, far exceed the budget of the Green Line. Chair, Did this you is bring... not before us. No, I'm asking. Let's get to questions. Uh, this is not a question of debate. I, Let's get I, questions I out for I will ask my question. It's related. You just heard Councillor Jeff Davison interrupting Councillor Farrell. Farrell went on to ask, why didn't you bring up similar concerns about the Olympics? And Councillor Davison did not like that. It is not before us. They are here it's talking the, about the Green Line. Please address your questions to the Green Line and not the in relation group. to the Olympics. It's the same group. 
doesn't matter. I'm just wondering. Again, you we are, need you are to drawing address. a conclusion. Excuse me, Mr. Davidson. And making a characterization. If you Counselor have a question. Davison, please let me chair. That's Councillor Shane Keating who was chairing the meeting. The Olympics is not debatable. Risk is. So you can ask a question about specifically risks and that's all. Okay, then that, and that is really the crux of this question. Is high risk endeavor that you advocated for, you did not bring up similar concerns. Why? Um, I, 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 I was um, advocate for the Olympics. This is Steve Allen, former chair of Calgary Economic Development. A few things about Allen, which I've reported on in a previous sprawl cast. Allen helped grease the wheels that got the arena deal through council last July. He sat on council's arena committee and dangled the threat of the flames leaving Calgary if the city didn't help buy a new arena. And a week after this June 2019 meeting on the Green Line, Premier Jason Kenney appointed Allen as his commissioner into so-called anti-Alberta activities that threatened the oil and gas industry. Allen is being paid $290,000 for that gig. This is the inquiry that has been condemned by Amnesty International and others for undermining Alberta's human rights obligations and potentially exposing dissidents to threats and intimidation. Thanks to investigative reporting from the CBC, we also know that Allen was campaigning for Doug Schweitzer in last year's provincial election and donating to his campaign. Once Schweitzer was elected, he recommended Allen for the role of inquiry commissioner and praised him publicly once he was appointed. Let's go back to Steve Allen at that June 2019 city council meeting, answering Councillor Farrell's question about why risk was a concern for the Green Line, but not the Olympics. With Jim and, and the group that he brought forward and that I have been part of, I'm a simple accountant, all I understand is costs, I understand cost overruns, and I understand risk, and that was, to me, a, a very significant issue. So, to me, I, in my own mind, wh whether I'm associated with Calgary Economic Development or just a citizen who cares about our city, I contemplated risk in both situations, and this one is, at this moment, unresolved. Alan is still part of Gray's committee, although he hasn't been as much in the limelight. And there's a lot of overlap between Gray's committee and the UCP. A number of committee members are big donors. Brian Foleski, for example, gave nearly $10,000 to Kenny's leadership campaigns in 2017. In March of this year, right before everyone went into pandemic quarantine, the website greenlineinfo.ca was registered for Gray's group. The domain registration is under the name of Evan Legate, a longtime political staffer and organizer in provincial conservative politics. He worked with Bill Smith for the provincial PC party before it became the UCP. Legate works for a PR firm called Longview Communications. This is the public relations firm handling the Green Line file for Gray's group, trying to galvanize public opposition to the Green Line plan before it goes to council. Now, interesting fact, Legate also managed Schweitzer's campaign in last year's provincial election. Longview Communications describes itself as Canada's leading independent corporate communications and public affairs firm, and the person spearheading the Green Line file for Longview is Hugh McFadden, 
This is a government that has uh, overspent its estimates every single year uh, in the last 12 years, and they, uh, they are continuing that pattern of spending way beyond the means of Manitoba families. McFadden was a leader of the Progressive Conservative Party in Manitoba from 2006 to 2012. You just heard a clip of him from the Winnipeg Free Press. And in that role, he was leader of the province's official opposition. Now he's in Calgary working for Longview, and he's spearheading what Gray has described as a comprehensive and aggressive communications plan. This includes ads on Google and Facebook. You've probably seen them if you've Googled Greenline at all. I put in multiple requests to Longview and Gray for comment on their campaign over the span of several days, but I did not hear back from those requests. A lot of the ideas they've put forward are not new ideas. Uh, they're ideas that are not unique to this group. This is Jeff Binks with the group LRT on the Green, which has been lobbying City Hall in favor of the project. This group has proposed solutions like uh, they've talked about running the train um, elevated, running it on the surface, uh, using the existing fleet and uh, tying Green Line into the existing uh, LRT network somehow. All these ideas that they're presenting as, as cutting edge and new and exciting and can solve all our problems, uh, had they been participating in the conversation like the rest of uh, Calgarians over the last few years, they would have learned that these ideas have been considered, they have been brought forward, they've been evaluated by uh, multiple teams of experts at the city of Calgary, and they've been rejected and rejected for good reason. So to come to the table and say, we have this great idea, it will solve all the problems, you just have to trust us on it. Uh, really discredits from the, the process that's been ongoing for the last five years where these the same ideas have been brought to the table. They've been discussed to death. They've been evaluated to death. Calgarians have been able to provide input on these very same ideas and they've been rejected. Uh, and that's why we ended up with the Green Line Stage 1 plan we have today. Uh, so I think that's the key with this messaging is they're presenting a solution that's already been evaluated. And so why we need to delay to reevaluate the, these things that we've already evaluated, uh, I'm not too sure how that makes sense. It's time to move forward with the project and get shovels on the ground and get building. The biggest tweak to the plan going before council is that the train will run down the middle of Centre Street and will have an additional station at 9th Avenue North. And that has people somewhat split. The Crescent Heights Business Improvement Area has signaled its conditional approval of the plan although they still have concerns about the nuts and bolts of parking and whatnot and how businesses will be affected by construction. The Chinatown District BIA is less enthusiastic. Terry Wong is the executive director, and he preferred the original plan. What I'll say is the 2017 alignment was better than what they proposed in 220. 2017 kept everything underground, and we understand you can't do it because of cost and um, risk. So the 220 alignment would have been better if they avoided going over the uh, the Princess Island Park in the uh, um, Bow River. And secondly, it would be better if they did not put the train on the street because uh, the train will close off two, two lanes into Chinatown and downtown. He does like the integration of an underground station into a redeveloped Eau Claire market. This is a new element of the Green Line plan that was just introduced in May. Here's City Transportation GM Michael Thompson describing what that new Eau Claire station will look like. You can think of it as uh, almost as 
what the central library looks like right now where the train is in a tunnel uh, at the south end of the central library and at the north end it's at grade uh, it would be the same kind of thing where the trains coming and rising up through that uh, through that future building and development but like gray's group wong would rather see a mix of brt in the north and lrt in the southeast i think the fundamental thing we have to understand is are we building an LRT? Are we building a transit network? And I believe we are building a transit network where people from their home can get to a destination they want with great degree of flexibility and accessibility. And therefore, uh, certainly the train from the southeast to downtown is appropriate because, again, there are appropriate right of ways. The construction is ready to go. But from the uh, downtown across the river and up to Center Street, once again, there's a lot of a lot of hurdles they've got to get through, and a lot of those hurdles won't be satisfied until they get to stage two, which might be 10, 20, 30 years away. Now, some others have taken issue with the new station in the plan on 9th Avenue. Don Mulligan is a retired transportation engineer who worked for two decades at the city. He was a director of transportation planning, and for the last two years before he retired, he was part of the Green Line team. He says adding the 9th Avenue station is a poor addition that will result in a longer trip for people coming from the north. But on the whole, he's very supportive of the project and says it's crucial to Calgary's future. But it is the biggest project ever, and that's it should not be taken lightly. It should have controversy. It should be well debated. And, um, you know, to be honest, what's bothering me now, and I'm not a guy that's easily bothered, even I'm a pretty easygoing guy, and I don't get too excited, but What's bothering me is so many people are are jumping in and saying no and and saying shut it down or effectively shut it down or do it another way or defer the decision. You know, I think of the Calgary I knew in 81 and there was a big bust, but then people were still positive about Calgary. There was a bust just like there is now. It was just in some ways just as bad, but people bid on the Olympics and we got the Olympics and the whole whole city banded together. I've never been on such a exciting and a, a project where everybody's rowing in the same direction with the same vigor and energy and pride. And I don't see a whole lot of that now. And it's, it is tough times, no doubt about it, but you got to be optimistic. And if you want to truly have a great city, you have to be optimistic about the future and your ability to find the money and get it done. We're going to close out with a few more voices here talking about what this project means to the city's future. First up is Anna Greenwood-Lee with the Calgary Alliance for the Common Good, followed by Jeff Binks with LRT on the Green. The final speaker is Romy Garrido with the YYC for Transit campaign. You know, and everyone's so caught up right now in this pandemic and in short-term thinking, but the green line is building the city we need 10 years out, 20 years out, 30 years out, 50 years out. We're never going to get to a point 50 years from now when we say we shouldn't have invested in transit. Big cities need public transit and always will need public transit. And we need to kind of think long-term right now about the good that this will do for the city as a whole in terms of making our city more accessible, more sustainable, more resilient. Uh, and it's an investment in our future. And yes, we're all caught up in short-term thinking right now, but that shouldn't cloud our judgments on this one too much. Well, I think uh, the pandemic uh, has made people uh, question uh, a lot of things that we take for granted here in society. And, and I think that's a normal and healthy process. But in terms of Green Line and public transit, 
you look back and people have uh, been using mass transit by rail for over a hundred years. And during that time, uh, rail transit has survived world wars. It survived uh, other pandemics. It survived economic recessions. It survived uh, terrorism attacks. And throughout all of that, although we see dips uh, that uh, last momentarily, people return to rail transit because it remains the most efficient way to move a lot of people into a central district district like our, our downtown core. You would like to know why it is that every time there's some big public project that's going to really benefit everybody in this city, there is an uphill battle. And, um, you know, this people who are opposing this one have been for other projects. And so it kind of makes you wonder, you know, is there a motive? You know, is there something to gain? We don't know. The anti-transit group seems to be using a lot of this language around sensible alternative and just putting a pause, uh, which which sounds really, you know, it, it doesn't sound so bad when you when you think of it. But when you actually dig deeper into what that would mean, the material consequences of putting a stall on the project, of making it cheaper, really gutting it, um, is that it'll effectively kill the project. And so we hope that folks understand that this is a project that if it doesn't happen now, it's never going to happen. The solutions that are being put on the table by these anti-transit groups are really outdated. Um, it's, they're a collection of outdated suggestions. They're calling for things that, um, that really are from decades ago. We're talking about changes in alignment, in technology. So how, do you, how do you compromise with a group of millionaires who want to gut a transit project? Are we agreeing to gut half of it in the spirit of compromise? I don't think so. Um, so, you know, suggestions like this are really just trying to cheapen a project. And, and I, I kind of wonder, why can't we have high quality transit? Um, and really, just in a larger sense, why can't we have high quality public infrastructure for people? You know, I, I would shoot back and, and ask, are we trying to cut corners um, with the arena or with the BMO Center or any of the other projects that some of these anti-transit folks have really stood up for and have come to bat for? Um, you know, we want good things. <laughs> I think transit users, Calgarians at large, uh, deserve some pretty high quality, some nice stuff. I think the Green Line project, the way that it's being planned, you know, a beautiful plan that we have ahead of us, um, it, it is trying to give Calgarians the best. End of line. Thanks for listening and see you again soon. listening to Sprawlcast. My name is Jeremy Clausus and I'm the founder and editor of The Sprawl. And this episode was co-produced and edited by Mike Todd. The Sprawl team is myself, assistant editor Jimena Gonzalez, comics artist Sam Hester, and art director Chris Picora. Our staff writer intern for the summer is Hadil Abdelnabi. And these are the amazing people that make The Sprawl what it is. And of course, all our freelance contributors, the writers, cartoonists, and photographers. You can find more of our in-depth coverage at sprawlcalgary.com. We're about to kick off a new edition on racism, so stay tuned for that. You can also find a full transcript of this episode on our website. 
we use Opal Transcription Services for that. They're a local Calgary-based company. Our theme music is by Dan D. Augustino and Kenny Murdoch. Our C-Train narrator is Holly McConnell. Thanks for listening and see you next time. Thank you.